0: From the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, I'm your host, AANP President April Kapu, and this is NP Pulse, the voice of the nurse practitioner. Welcome to NP Pulse, AANP's official podcast, bringing you unique nurse practitioner voices and expertise on the issues that matter to NPs and our patients. Today, I'm excited to hear another fresh perspective on the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion within healthcare. April is National Minority Health Month, but this is a crucial conversation that will help us work towards increased health equity year round, through the provision of culturally competent, person-centered care. Today we are joined by family nurse practitioner, clinical professor, and wound care expert, Dr. Charles Bouchemi. We'll be taking a deeper dive into the importance of inclusion and hear some very real, even life-threatening struggles that persons from marginalized communities may face. As NPs, we are ideally positioned within our communities to ensure all patients have access to high quality healthcare and to be advocates for those who may lack adequate representation. But what steps can we take to be most effective. Dr. Buscemi brings to this discussion his passion, his experience, and commitment to ensuring health equity for all. And I am so excited to learn and to share with you, our listeners, more. Welcome to NP Pulse, Dr. Charles Buscemi. It is so good to have you here with us today.
1: Oh, thank you, April. It's wonderful to be here with you.
0: Well, you know, I have only had the opportunity to speak with you a couple of times. And when I heard you were going to be on the podcast, I was so excited because I want to know so much more about you. Everything you say is very interesting. It's very powerful. I often reflect back on some of the things that you've said. So I am just thrilled to be able to spend some more time with you today and for our listeners to get to know you better so I know we've got some important topics to get to, but before we get started, we want to know more about you. Charlie, we want to know more about you. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you became a nurse, and nurse practitioner, and what you do today.
1: Well, I've been a nurse for 34 years, um, 22 as a nurse practitioner, and I actually started as a music major out of high school. I finished a year and a half of music education at the University of Miami. I'm a flutist, and I still play flute with the Greater Miami Symphonic Band. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've, I've kept that up. And then I started working part-time at, at a hospital. I was like 18, 19, you know, in the transport, and I saw what nurses were doing, and it interests me. And I actually dropped out of music school at the University of Miami and enrolled in an LPN program here in Miami. And then... I did the LPN to RN transition program, practiced for a few years, and then eventually went back to the University of Miami where I did the RN to BSN, did my MSN as a family nurse practitioner, and then I did my PhD in nursing science all at the UM and straight through the BSN, the MSN, and the PhD nonstop.
0: Wow. University of Miami is a great program. So what made you decide to transition from music to going into the LPN program?
1: Like I said, I started working part-time in the summer at a hospital as a patient transporter, taking people people back and forth to different departments. And Uh I started seeing what nurses were doing. And I've always had it in me to be someone who was interested in science and math, but also have a caring personality, wanted to connect with people and help people at a different level. So I found that it was the perfect opportunity to combine that, those experiences that I that I wanted to to have. And I just decided to do it and I excelled and I loved it. And since the first day in LPN school, I, I realized that, this, that I knew that this was what I was going to do for the rest of my life.
0: Wow. It's a perfect blend. It really is. So now what do you do as a nurse practitioner?
1: So I've been... A wound care nurse practitioner for the past 18 years with the same practice called wound tech i do that part-time i do house calls for patients who have complex and chronic wounds um, i see patients with pressure injuries diabetic foot ulcers arterial venous ulcers other chronic wounds that not he- that don't heal i started there full-time but then i went into academia full-time i had to go part-time in my practice so i only go two days a week and i currently teach full-time at Florida International University. It's a large public university, part of the state university system here in Florida. I teach in the FNP program and the DNP program. I just recently stepped down in December. I was interim director of the DNP program.
0: Okay, yeah, that's quite a balance of work there. So seeing patients in the home, these are patients you see regularly, not just one and done. These are patients who you see over time, right?
1: That is correct. The patients that I see aren't the typical patients that home health nurses see. These are patients who need advanced wound care. And the majority of all the clinicians in our practice are either nurse practitioners, PAs, and even podiatrists, because you have to be able to diagnose and prescribe and do sharp debridement, which a regular RN can't in most, in most states.
0: And you have to stay up to date on all the changes and the advances in wound care.
1: Well, you know, I'm I'm also, I'm dual board certified. I'm certified as a family nurse practitioner, and I'm also certified as a Wunker nurse through the WOCN. Okay. You know, as as passionate as I am with the AANP, I am just as passionate and active with the WOCN society. So I keep... Both worlds quite active. Yeah,
0: very important to stay active in professional associations. And like you, I'm, I'm involved in several. So um, it helps keep me uh, up to date on what's happening. But also the network is just absolutely fantastic to be able to network with people like you. And you and I got to know each other through the AAMP Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. And uh, so I was on a couple of calls. I got to know you a little bit better Tell me a little bit more about your role on that committee and and what that committee does.
1: Well, what I love about the committee is members are just these dynamic movers and shakers in the industry. We actually tackle complex issues that really affect Every clinician and ultimately patients that we care for, because not only do you want to diversify the workforce, we want to make sure that patients reap the benefits of a diversified workforce, that patients can see themselves represented in the clinicians that take care of them. Some of the topics aren't comfortable, and and I think that's a good thing. I think DEI work should make certain people uncomfortable to a point because we're trying to break out of what the norm is. and. You know, even for myself, even though I'm a Cuban American gay man and I fit some of the DEI boxes, you know, I present as a cis white male and understand the privileges that come with being a cis white man within the DEI construct. So I have to work within those, uh, that framework to make sure that the niche that I'm working for and helping is to uplift those communities that need more than what someone else could do.
0: Why is this so, so important to you, Charles? Because you're very passionate about it.
1: Well, you know, I think the fact that, you know, growing up as a gay man and coming out when I did, I didn't really experience a lot of the trauma that other friends of mine did. You know, at 17 in 1985, I came out to a very loving and open and accepting family. But I saw the effect of that in the 80s to my close friends, especially in the middle of the 80s, middle of the AIDS pandemic, where friends of mine were being thrown out of their homes, shunned by their families. I also never thought in my life that I would ever be able to get married. You know, I have a loving husband. We've been married for almost 10 years now. So I think that given the current climate, I needed to make sure that I was in a position where I fight for maintaining and furthering the rights of the LGBTQ I also have the Hispanic hat that I fight for. It's different in Miami because Cubans and Hispanics are the majority here. We live in a social enclave bubble where we don't feel the effects of being the minority. I've felt it when I've I've traveled. Again, presenting as a white man has its privileges, but I've been in situations where I've spoken in Spanish and I've gotten certain looks when I'm out of Miami, and so... I think of the struggles of my mother when she fled communist Cuba in 1962 and everything she had to go through to assimilate and acculturate here in in the United States. So I think that's been ingrained in me for for several, several years. And again, I also, the populations that I take care of are doing house calls, are in very poor neighborhoods of Miami, both the Little Havana and primarily black neighborhoods. And I want to be in a position to be able to make sure that they have access to quality care, in my case, quality wound care, and that I can connect with them right. at that level as well.
0: So all of this happening, it would seem like healthcare is probably the last on many people's list. Access to care is hard. And how do you make sure that it's readily available? And that there's trust there so tell me more about the lgbtq plus community
1: i think we can recognize that there are current challenges happening right now throughout the country with new states laws trying to take back some of the rights that my community has mainly the most vulnerable population right now the the trans community is experiencing a lot of negative impact through state legislature but I think what we can recognize, you know, the major LGBTQ health issues, mental health, physical health, access to health care, substance abuse, suicide, family planning, hormone therapy for, the, for trans individuals, mental health care for the youth, the aging population of the LGBTQ. I'm getting there. I'm going to be 56. so I want to make sure things are in place that when I get to Medicare age that things are in place to take care of my health as well. You know, and and trying to develop what we call importance of inclusive healthcare, you know, to make sure that healthcare providers offer inclusive and welcoming care to the LGBTQ plus population.
0: So tell me an ex I mean, you gave so many critical issues that are facing so many today. So tell me an example. Why is it so critical?
1: So if you think about it, for example, um, suicide, you know, we I think studies have shown that LGBTQ individuals are at a higher risk of suicide, you know, especially among transgender individuals, you know, due to factors such as bullying, discrimination, and lack of social support, um, mental health, also, um, depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, these are factors that are related to stigma, discrimination, and social isolation. So I think we need to realize that we have to be, as nurse practitioners, that we are in a keen position, in a unique position to offer solutions and care to these individuals.
0: And it seems like you do that very well. There are 355,000 nurse practitioners out there today. I would say most everybody is focused on access to care. And certainly health equity is critical and foundational to what we do as nurse practitioners. But we all don't know what you know. So tell us a little bit more about how to become more aware and how to really incorporate all of this into our everyday care that we provide with our patients.
1: Well, I think is the opportunities that are there are is to get involved. You know, there are there are many opportunities in your community where you can join groups that can help you to learn and connect with the community. One thing that I love about teaching at Florida International University is that they expect faculty to really have community engagement, to not just do the work from the ivory tower or from the desk, but to really get in there. And these are opportunities that we've had. So I've joined the DEI committee for the American Red Cross, South Florida region, joining the DEI committee for AAMP. I was instrumental in making sure that I launched the DEI committee at the university. Given the current climate, we'll see where that's going to go. But still, that doesn't take away from the passions that I have from that. We have a very large grassroots LGBT community uh, organization here called SAVE. I was on their board of directors. So I think rolling up your sleeve and getting involved you know, churches can a wonderful opportunity. If your faith calls you to do that, to work with maybe other minorities, whether it's black communities, Hispanic communities, but you need to understand your community. So Miami is a, is its own microcosm compared to Topeka, Kansas, and it faces totally different expectations than uh, than others. So we're like a northern city stuck in the south. You know, you leave Miami and you're faced with different challenges that you may not face if you're coming to another place. So I think getting involved and being passionate and being an advocate, I think at the end of the day, nurses were advocates. So if I've had situations where I feel that my patient isn't getting the care because I'm a referral source, I'm there to diagnose and treat their wound, but I don't work in a vacuum. As focused as my specialty is, I provide holistic care as well. So I may not be there for their diabetes, or their hypertension, but I realize how it impacts the care that I give them and the wound healing process. Mm -hmm. I get involved. I make sure that I speak to their primary care providers. I get on the phone and speak to social workers. I coordinate a lot of care with home health nurses and nursing assistants, getting them the foods that they need, getting family involved. Right. I've always felt that even as a nurse practitioner, We're nurses first, and we have to make sure that we advocate for the care our patients need. And everything I do, whether it's in academia or in practice, obviously, is with the patient in focus. And I teach my students that.
0: It's exactly. We have to understand everything that surrounds that person, that individual. Their whole context in which they live and they thrive, and we've talked about this quite a bit. They work, they play, the air they breathe, the food they eat, the culture, their background—all of this is so important. So, tell me a little bit more about your community there in Miami. Does everybody in Miami have access to care?
1: Miami has its challenges, like any community in any large urban community. I think the patients that I see—they have access to care because they come with insurance. But there is a poor population here that has difficulty with access to maybe Medicaid and maybe more um, community-based programs. So I think in the in general, I think Miami has a good set structure for health care. We have a very large teaching f- facility here, the University of Miami Jackson Memorial, which provides care to those who have economic challenges. And it's world-renowned. So that's that's the go-to place for people who don't have the funds to pay for health care. hmm and I've been in situations where I've had to refer patients and not just tell them to go, they get on the phone and help them. You know, I think what benefits me is I'm fluent in Spanish. So it's a good opportunity for those who come, for example, from this country, from Central and South America, who don't speak the language, to have someone who knows how to navigate the system and get on the phone and speak and translate for them. And I think that's a big thing to help them gain entry into the healthcare system when I know their challenges and their language barriers, which can affect how people you know, access our health system.
0: Well, it could be scary. Yeah. That is one determinant is, is language, right? And c- how scary that can be to not be able to speak fluently with another And to really not, are they telling me something that's actually going to be helpful? Can I trust what they're saying? Is this where my family members go? This is really important. And so to be able to to cross that language barrier. And
1: and you're right. You know, language is actually one issue with access to care for Latinos and Hispanics. You know, there's also immigration status. Mm -hmm. A lot of sometimes if they're undocumented, they they may be scared to gain entry or, or disclose um, for fear of being deported. You know, lack of insurance is also uh, an issue in Hispanic and Latino populations' cost. How are they going to pay for this? Discrimination. Many Latino and Hispanic populations experience discrimination when gay, trying to gain entry into the healthcare system. You know, there's cultural difference. You know, Latinos and Hispanics were all very different. You know, my worldview as a Cuban-American is different than a Mexican-American versus a Costa Rican or a Nicaraguan. So within that system as well, and... You know, a lot of times Cubans being the majority in Miami, we see things through the lens of the, of the Cuban community and we need to understand that not everybody is, from that worldview, distance to healthcare providers, lack of trust in the system, chronic diseases among Latinos and Hispanics, you know, diabetes and hypertension. You know, but I think what it does, it provides a, uh, a, a unique opportunity for focusing on the importance of outreach and education, you know, that. You know, as healthcare providers and even institutions, we can ad- we can work to address these challenges and really try to provide culturally adequate care. Whether it's language interpretation services, conducting outreach and educations to build trust and improve access to care for Hispanic and Latino communities.
0: Right, so important the things that some people you just show up, you expect this, this, and this, but while others, this, this, and this is not easy. Don't just ask me for something in English and ask me for my driver's license and ask me for this and that. That is going to raise concern. And is this person really going to provide me with the care I need? Exactly. Right? And, and a lot of discussion happens within the community. And so once a nurse practitioner is embedded in the community, then people talk. Families talk. They talk to one another. They talk at their church or their community center. And then they say, you really need to go see the nurse practitioner, I have the nurse practitioner come see you. This has been my experience. Yes, you might have that question, but they are trained, they know how to address those issues. It's very important.
1: And, and that's the thing I love about doing house calls is that I really get to see the patient's life from their perspective. I'm in their home and I never forget that I'm a guest in their home, but it's nice because they offer me the cafecito cubano, you know, mm-hmm. They all, all of my Cuban lady patients want to feed me because they say I'm too skinny. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and that's okay, right? Oh, I love it. I'll yeah. take,
1: I love Cuban food, so I'll take it anytime.
0: Yeah. So you, you bring up just going into someone's home that can just, you can read so much and learn so much. That's really their, their social environment. So tell us a little bit more about this big word that's thrown out there all the time. But it's so important and it's social determinants of health.
1: Well, I think we need to understand what it is. Yes. So it refers to various social and economic and environmental factors that can impact an individual's health and well being. Um, they include stuff like, like I said, socioeconomic status, neighborhood and physical environment, health behaviors, social and community context, healthcare access and equity cultural and cultural beliefs, and even genetics and biology. An individual's genetic makeup and biological factors can impact their susceptibility for certain health conditions. So it's Mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. range of things that affect, and health equity is is an important component of identifying social determinants of health and nurse practitioners being the instrument and making sure that our patients have adequate access to care. And not only adequate access to care, but adequate access to high quality care, which has been shown that nurse practitioners provide on a daily basis.
0: So you've used some big terms there. So there's socioeconomic status, all those things. Can you give us an example? Just drill it down.
1: Of course. So when you're looking at socioeconomic status, we're looking more at factors such as income, education, occupation that can impact an individual's access to health care, healthy food, safe housing, and are other examples of resources that can impact health with regards to socioeconomic status.
0: Well, not everybody can just jump in the car and drive to the grocery store with everything there a couple miles away, right?
1: Correct. And for me, diet is very important because if you don't eat well, your wound's not going to heal. If you don't have adequate access to protein and and good protein, your wound's not going to heal. So for me, it's making sure that my patients have access, access to quality food.
0: And if I was your patient and I said, well, Dr. Buscemi, I, I, the only thing I have is I can get out, I can get over to the convenience store on the corner, I, and that's my only access. I don't have anybody helping me out. How do you connect someone with resources so that they can get those healthy foods?
1: So it's, again, it's knowing your community, and first, I always tell me, I have my, my patients call me Charlie. Um, okay. I feel it makes gives a better connection. and. Knowing your community, I know the community resources that are available to patients who are maybe low income or those who may have immigration issues where they won't be questioned, so I can make phone calls. Um, Again, I'm born and raised in Miami, so I know who to call and who to connect them with. A lot of my patients also receive home health services. I can pick up the phone and speak to the, the nursing supervisor at the agency and connect them and get them a social worker out of the home to make sure. If not, many of these health plans, you know, these um, we see a lot of our patients are Medicare HMOs. A lot of these HMOs have case managers. It's just as simple as picking up the call. And I've built these relationships with these case managers. I always introduce myself. I make connections with the primary care and, and the office staff. So when I call you know I make sure that I get the, the care for my patients.
0: And I think you described something that nurse practitioners do really well. They they get embedded in the community, they start to learn all the resources, they become the expert, so to speak, and all of and, and all the connections and all the resources so that they can pull that together. That's um that that can help with medications. You know where the you can get the medications that are affordable and the right type of medication. These are the types of things that we do every day as nurse practitioners. So any advice, what are some practical implications for nurse practitioners today?
1: I think nurse practitioners need to engage in ongoing education and training and stay informed on the latest research and best practices in promoting health equity and addressing health disparities. Also staying up to date on things that impact social determinants of health, like uh, being culturally competent, understanding health disparities in your own community. I'm um, getting involved in the community, um sitting on boards of community organizations, whatever those may be, finding out what the vulnerable populations are in your community and working towards helping them re- achieve better health. That's what I that's what I I try to do. If you're in a position to generate the knowledge, you know, as myself in academia, work with research teams to make sure that you're generating the knowledge that needs to be done so that it can have, again, clinical, practical use. And that's where I feel. You know, I have the opportunity to work with two major research funds. One's uh, an NIH R01 and one's an NSF. Funny enough, one is through the College of Engineering and the other one's with the Department of Computer Science, but they needed a wound care expert. And I've told them, I'll come on board, but I need to see how it's going to impact patients and how patients can access care. So if you're developing this wonderful technology to address wound issues, I want to see how it's connected back to the patients who really need it in the community who need it the most. So I advocate not only as a clinician in the field, but I advocate as an, acad- as an academician and as a researcher and as a scholar.
0: So you've given us some good advice. It is show up. Be there, ask questions, get involved, and that's um, learn the resources in the community, embed yourself in the community, get to know the populations in your community and what the key issues are. So what are some other resources? If I wanted to um, take a course or if I wanted to read or if I wanted to garner more resources so that I could become a better nurse practitioner, and a more effective nurse practitioner, and really uh, develop those uh, trust relationships with so many. Do you have some advice, some different resources?
1: Well, I mean, the AANP has a wonderful CE, which I do a lot, and they have some actually good, good health equity courses you can take there, DEI courses as well. Again, reach to your local university or local community colleges as well. There's opportunities there to learn. There's actually, you can take courses on these. And I think with access to the internet, there's a lot of um, micro-credentialing that's happening right now. Many universities and programs are out. You can get actually get a micro-credential in health, health equity, social determinants of health, or even DEI to start learning. But I think also learn what the gaps are and what the gaps are in your community. So you're not doing stuff that's already been done. So you know that you're trying to fill in a void so that you actually make a difference and you're just not beating a dead horse. So in my, in my case, Cuban Americans have access to wonderful resources here in, in Miami because it's the largest social enclave here. So a lot of my efforts is not really towards helping the Cuban American community. I'm looking more towards using my Spanish skills and perhaps helping the Central American community, which is less prevalent here in Miami and has a little bit more problems accessing care than perhaps the cuban community because a lot of times because it's a social enclave cuban americans access cuban majority cuban american hospitals cuban american pharmacies cuban american physicians and nurse practitioners so there's a safety net in that when you're from a same group does that make sense
0: yes does does and you're more apt to seek care too when you have that when you have that safety net so what have we not talked about today that you think is very important for our audience our audience is experienced nps new nps educators uh you know health policy advocates whole array and even non-nurse practitioners what have we not talked about today because these topics are so
1: important well if i have to say something i think that perhaps we haven't addressed is doing self-reflection and understanding your own biases and working on your own biases and what you need to do to make sure that you learn um, that you understand the needs of the lgbtq plus community that in you understand the needs of minority populations and realize that not everybody has the privileges that we have and that we're in a position to make sure that um, we uplift those communities that need to be uplifted and um, I think doing a little bit of self-work many times and making sure those biases and stereotypes and uh, whether unconscious, mostly are unconscious biases that we have to work on to make sure, in my case, with my patients and with my students and with my colleagues.
0: Right. So self-reflection, better understanding your own background experiences, the lens with which you view the world and you approach situations, any uh, more formal processes we can go through to better understand our own biases and how we need to stop and pause and really um, understand those uh, as we are having different interactions and discussions?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... I think we have to realize that when you come from a privileged place, we forget that there are those people who have exposure to violence and discrimination and that a simple misstep in a word may be enough to really affect somebody's life. So we need to be careful with what we say and how we say things to people, respecting people's uniqueness and individuality. Again. I, I go back to what I feel is probably right now, today, the most vulnerable population that's being attacked is the trans community. Um, so if it's something that's prevalent in your community and you can do something to help, and I know in Miami there's a large trans community, it's a like any large urban city, um, so I want to make sure that what I do is to help as much as I can. You know, I served as a pride mentor at the university, um, and, and, and even... An old gay man like myself learned new things of how the young people see things and and, you know I had to learn about use of pronouns this wasn't something that we we did when I was coming out at 17. Um, All the um, the gender spectrums that we have today that you know we need to learn about. My mentee was pansexual I had to ask her what is that you know getting involved in learning and understanding and I think I'm lucky, being part of a large urban city, have access to a lot of resources. You know, learning is the, the biggest opportunity that nurse practitioners can do.
0: Well, it's been so nice to talk to you. I have learned a lot myself today. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for your time today and for all of the valuable insights that you've shared.
1: Well, I want to thank you, April, and the whole ANT staff. Um, you guys have been amazing. And I'll take this opportunity to thank you for your work as our president. You've done an amazing job. We've been proud to have you as our leader, and we're going to miss you a lot. And anytime you're in Miami, uh, you have a nice home-cooked Cuban meal waiting for you. Oh, that's wonderful. I hope you come and plan and visit us at Florida International University of Miami. You'd be a very welcome guest.
0: Oh, well, thank you. And actually, I do go to Miami a lot. So I will definitely look you up.
1: (laughs) Yes, for sure. I would love it.
0: Oh, wonderful. Okay, well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. And thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us, Charles, and thank you to all who are listening. If you'd like to hear more and you'd like to get involved with AANP and partner with other members on issues related to health equity, please consider joining the AANP Health Equity Diversity and Inclusion Community. From articles on the AANP newsfeed to continuing education activities in the AANP CE Center AANP offers a variety of resources to help you address social determinants of health and improve health equity within your community. With summer quickly approaching, I'd like to invite you to attend the 2023 AANP National Conference in New Orleans on June 20 through 25th. In her keynote address, former NASA astronaut, Joan Higginbotham will inspire us all to break through barriers and take our practices to new heights. With more than 330 live CE sessions and hands-on workshops and 80 more pre-recorded on-demand sessions, this is an event you don't want to miss. I am looking forward to seeing you there. Thank you for listening to NP Pulse. Please subscribe to this podcast, share it with your colleagues, and check back regularly for new episodes. And as always, be kind, be safe, be effective, and be the voice of the nurse practitioner.